Yeah, you got it. Yeah, oh, now you're seeing it. Why? I mean, that's that's where I started was those ideas like how do we get new energy systems out there? How do we right. how do we crack these puzzles? And that was a lot of the big sovereignty question is like how can we enable and maintain sovereignty around these works? And the strategy that I had originally with, you know, energy systems was like well, if it got in the hands of a professor at the head of a engineering department in literally every major university, then at least they're all holding the keys for how it's done. But what does that require? It requires open source at a massive scale. Right. And oh, about making a nexus and it's coming about... together in the core or nexus, and co-creating a, a new world together. Yeah. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? If you feel like that's what you want to do. Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. Always a blessing to be with you all. And look who's in the house today. <laughs> the fabulous Adam Apollo is with us to share his enlightened views on life. Welcome to the show, Adam. Thank you so much, Karen. It's an honor to be here with you. I'm so excited. As I was just telling Adam that I've been watching him for years and like we've been dancing around putting him on the show because he's super busy and I'm busy and I don't know, we never got it together. And then Neil said, you know, can you put Adam on the show? Because he's one of the speakers in the upcoming Portal to Ascension conference in April. I know you've got a slew of things before then. April's creeping up, but you're probably doing a lot of other things before the conference. So I was so excited to actually, <laughs> after years of watching you, to put you on the show and have a conversation with you well, about lots of things. There's so many topics that we can touch on. God, there's so many topics we can touch on. But let's mm -hmm. start with, what are you going to talk about at the conference? At the Portal to Ascension conference in San Diego, I believe that my main presentation is on Starship Engineering. And so I'll be doing essentially a talk covering my work in unified physics over the last couple decades and how that work has led to some very clear practical methodologies for essentially creating gravitational envelopes and engineering working starships. Um, now, of course, doing something like that's not cheap. So there's uh, quite a process to not only establishing the theory and the frameworks for how we are gonna do this, um, but then also uh, basically prototyping and funding each component of it until we actually have the thing built. And I'm not alone in that project. There are many other people that I'm working with and aware of who are working on different components of the Starship technologies. And so I share some of those insights, some of those different components, and then really get into how we as the audience, the people, the experiencers, the curious uh, individuals that are coming to the conference can actually do the self-development work necessary to develop the skills to pilot starships, because there are some very specific skills that are not involved in, say, you know, learning to fly a Cessna or drive a car 
Um, these are skills where you're developing the capacity to leverage your consciousness in interaction with the ship in order to facilitate things like traveling faster than light. Because when you're traveling faster than light, you can't use radar, you don't have um, the same kinds of mechanisms essentially to navigate. And our consciousness is the critical piece of the interface that enables us to navigate and uh, essentially bi-locate our consciousness to new locations, feed that information to the ship's onboard navigation and jumping system, and then be able to enable that ship to jump to that location. So it's really, you know, if you've ever been interested in astral travel and magic and metaphysics and things like that, this is a wonderful exploration that will show you just how valid and how amazing all of those practices are and just how applicable they are to becoming part of a galactic civilization and joining Starfleet in the future. I can't tell you how exciting that is, really, because, you know, I'm in my 60s now, and when I was a kid, I was watching the Jetsons, and I thought when mm. I was an adult, we mm. would be flying in flying cars. I've said this many times on the show. Yeah. And then I drove out into the desert last year out to Broken Hill, like two, two days drive, and I'm mm. screaming at the Galactics, and I'm saying to them, why am I still in a petrol car? Like, what's going on? <laughs> like, I just, yeah, why, why the delays? Yeah, you know, like, why the delays? And I had a big chat with the with the mob, with the galactic mob, and said, okay, so how do we get this technology out there without people being murdered? And they gave me lots of advice, but, but you're yeah. actually doing it. And the consciousness component, mm. you said, you know, the consciousness component to interface with the ship is the same consciousness component to interface with life, right? That's like right. your focus and your same skills, same skills. Yeah. Same skills. Yeah. Ooh. And that's, that's the way I've always really loved to dance um, as a physicist, because it's like you start talking about quantum gravity physics and people are like, Oh God, like, what am I going to have to learn? You're talking, you know, quantum chromodynamics and, you know, wormholes. And what does this mean for me? But um, for me, as an educator and also as an experiencer of life, I personally am passionate about physics because of the ways that it's brought me a, a deeper understanding of how to live and engage with life and reality and the world. And so I deeply believe that this kind of knowledge and exploration can massively empower us in huge ways. And for me, uh, having had profound metaphysical experiences growing up, realizing that we are in a field of charge that, uh, that you know, chi, ki, prana, vital force, odic force, pick a name for it. Um, this fundamental field, the ether that's been, you know, known about for thousands and thousands of years, talked about in literally every culture on the planet is not only real, but is a practical way that we are engaging with entanglement with space-time and objects around us. And so, yes, when you talk about, you know, charging up a crystal ball or interacting with a certain object, um, you are actually talking about information sharing at the quantum scale that's then connecting you to that thing. There's a reason why mothers feel it when their kids hurt themselves. There's a reason why 
we think of someone and they call us on the phone. There's a reason why your ears burn. There's a reason why you can feel it when someone's looking at you. And guess what? All of our school systems, all of our colleges, all of the amazing education systems that we have right now are completely ignoring this entire area of study. And it is critical that we bridge that area of study back because it's also the key to our future sciences. Absolutely. Absolutely. I haven't even read your bio yet. We got straight into it. But like, I feel like I'm going to be dead before it changes. Like I've been waiting for our education system to change for this to be introduced. And, you know, I'm seeing things like mindfulness and meditation being introduced. But, yeah. um, They're steps. Their steps. What What do you think? I'm just I'm I'm perplexed because I think do I read the bio or do I keep asking him questions? <laughs> yeah, forget the bio. They can find my bio. Don't worry. The just bio is good. I've I've they'll rewritten I've rewritten the bio. That's right. the they'll they'll read the bio later. <laughs> for for people that don't know who you are, some people know who you are, but I might get into it. But uh, let, let me just go through it. Let me go through it because this is this is interesting, and we'll get All back right. into when do you think it'll change. You know, sure. because it says that after having right. a vision of the universe as a fractal hologram when you were 15, you went extensively into studies in a wide variety of branches of theoretical astrophysics. And by the time you graduated high school, you completed major research papers on the potential interface between consciousness and physics and space time. So you've been thinking about this stuff for a long time as well. Yeah. Since yeah. Since I was 15. Right. And born in California. Uh, Adam has been a physicist systems architect, designer, and developer for nearly 20 years. He's the co-founder of several education technological-based companies and organizations such as Access Granted and Superluminal Systems, an active uh, faculty member, author, and lead systems architect for several international online academies, including the Resonance Academy of Unified Physics, and the Guardian Alliance Academy for Self-Mastery. These, these sound amazing. And in 2005, Adam made physical contact with an extraterrestrial star nation ambassador and began active and ongoing communication with the galactic ambassadors from a vast array of different species who are supporting Earth. As a speaker, you've been featured uh, at the White House, United Nations, and conferences all around the world, and offer global transition physics technology, human spirituality, and the future as a next generation leadership ambassador at the White House in multiple Nexus and other summits at the United Nations. Um, you're one of the co-founders of Unit, the Unity Movement, which has reached Unify. over Unify. Sorry, Unity is a sorry Unity is a movement that a friend of mine started here in Australia. Unify. Sorry, yeah. It's a similar movement, although he's at grassroots level, just doing um, uh, sort yeah. of festivals and stuff. Unify has reached over 100 million people. Um, a lot more than that, really. But really? We, we reach 100 million people every month. That's amazing. Um, we have we have an alliance of uh, hundreds of organizations, over 30,000 organizations listed that have joined us and worked with us at different times. Um, and yeah, our, our monthly reach just on Facebook is over a hundred million. So we're wow. building a fleet of people that are aware and ready to take actions to change the planet. Well, there you have it, you know, cause I speak to a lot of people who reach out to me, they watch the podcast cause I've been doing this for like 13 years, podcasting, yeah. teaching for like 25, 30 years. 
And uh, they say, I feel so alone in these conversations. And so when you hear this stuff, like, you're not alone. <laughs> you're not alone. No, you're not alone. And especially Americans, really, more more the, so than Australians. You know, they they yeah. live in country towns or wherever they live in America and, they, and they're watching podcast mm-hmm. shows and, um, yeah, they just feel like they're the only ones that are talking about this stuff. But there are just like millions and millions and millions of people talking about this stuff. Yeah. That's so right. Find Way your more tribe. Than most people realize. And if right. they're not talking about it, they're at least curious. Exactly. There's a curiosity that's growing. And, you know, it's more and more important that um, those of your audience who have had profound experiences of growth and self-development and realizations about who they are and um, <laughs> deeper aspects to themselves than are generally accepted in society to develop some language um, and some skills in how to bridge because, you know, it it's kind of sucks being alone in your little town with no friends that understand what you've been through. And I, I meet people that have gone through this all the time. Most of my students um, and clients have generally come from a space where they were really alone um, and they really didn't have anybody to talk to and they didn't feel safe talking to most of their friends and colleagues. And so that's one of the areas that uh, for me as a deep passion is to help provide people with some language and some knowledge and some understanding so that they can actually bridge the gap in those conversations. And that's that's what I did at the White House in the United Nations is I was literally meeting with young philanthropists and leaders of NGOs and starting a conversation you know, over a cocktail like, so, what do you think about crop circles? Yeah. You know, and, and get them thinking and talk about, well, did you know that the wheat is braided like this, that you can actually go and see how the layers of wheat are braided together. That's, you know, if they say it's Joe, Bob and Jim must be just stomping things. And then I also discuss the scale, the size, you know, and maybe I'll get into asking them about what they think about the great pyramid of Giza. And they're Mm -hmm. like, you know, well, it's amazing that, you know, it seems crazy that a bunch of slaves could have built it or whatever. And I was like, well, yeah, you know, the scientific American article where they show the construction of it. If, you, if you've ever seen it, they did a whole, they did literally their own entire magazine just on the Great Pyramid talking about how it was built. But in the article and this magazine, essentially every brick size is the same size and they're laid like bricks. But that's not the case at all. Every single stone in the Great Pyramid of Giza is a different size. And they all fit together more perfectly than the most insane Tetris game you could ever imagine. They all weigh several tons each, you know, and the stone is from hundreds of miles away. And if it was built in the lifetime of a pharaoh, every single stone would have had to be put into its place in less than three minutes. Mm. That's just an insane engineering challenge. That's not hard. That's insane. That's impossible. And when you get to some of the core stones, now you're dealing with rocks and stones that literally, if you put one of them on the back of a semi-truck, it would crush the semi-truck. And so we floated these on little, you know, rattan boats like down the Nile. (laughs) And then- (laughs) 
you know, just rolled them up a long ramp for a okay. while. Got to the slaves to put them on wheels. Slipped and it in there. <laughs> took us a couple minutes per stone, you know, and then they're, they're laser precision. And then you get into that the position of the pyramid and the size and its dimensions give us pi, phi, alpha, Euler, you know, Euler, Mascheroni, every mathematical constant known to man is encoded in this structure perfectly you know down to the down to centimeters millimeters even and it's just things like that when you start addressing the fact that we don't know we don't know we don't have an answer there isn't a clear solution to this um now people start opening their mind to realizing there may be a greater solution there may be something more than what they are familiar with in life and we all have had some experiences that challenge the status quo of what we think is real. But if we don't pull the thread and we don't ask the questions, then we don't get to the gold at the end of the tunnel because we're just going to be lost in the dark, kind of finding our way, you know, guessing. But if you keep pulling that thread, it's quite amazing. And I'll just tell you, my own life has been a series of miracles because I followed those questions to the end of the trail. Do you want to go into that a little bit? Like what was happening? So, you know, you talk about when you pull the thread, I think people aren't pulling threads until, until life isn't looking the way they want to look. You know, like it, we're all obsessed yeah. with success and falling in love and making money and being successful. And, and then when your health fails, now you're focused on your health. And then when you experienced uh, the death of somebody, now you're focused on something else. So that it is the dramas and the contrasts that we experience in life that opens the door to a wider, you know, to more questions. Definitely it was yeah. for me. More questions about who I, what's it all about, Alfie? Do you want to share some of your experiences? Yeah, sure. There's so many that... It's, it's hard to decide where to start, but I will say that, you know, the beginning was really just realizing I have an energy body and it still just astounds me how few people actually are aware of the fact that you can create a field of charge between your fingers that's visible and that you can actually extend out from your fingers and you can, you know, Put someone's hand there and run it over there and they'll feel that charge moving and flowing and for me that was the first big key because that suggests if consciousness is flowing in a field that's not just in the body but outside the body and that field can connect us with other things and you can use that field to detect things um, like for example dousing when we look for a well and we do dousing you hire a dowser right and what's this dowser do it takes a couple little metal sticks holds them like this walks around and identifies exactly where to drill for the water right this is just considered normal and yet this is high level magic that's existed for thousands of years and you can douse any kind of object which is fascinating because now suddenly, if you really look at that, you're like, oh, the body is an antenna. We have the capacity to pick up information, not just inside us, but around us. And then you start realizing that you're not just a receiver of information, you're a transmitter of information. 
there's a reason why when you stare at somebody from across the room, if you're looking at their back, they're probably going to turn around and look at you because you're emanating energy out from your eyes, not just receiving light, but you're in a connection and an entanglement with objects that you look at through the standing waveform of the fact that there is light that's bathing you and them, and you're perceiving it with your eye cones, but there's also a function in which you are emanating this field. And this leads to the realizations that people have around things like the secret, right? We all watch the secret and it's like, oh, right. All I have to do is like hold this idea in my mind of, you know, having a parking space at the front and I can manifest a parking space. Yes, and it's not quite that simple. The secret gets into, you know, how you want to hold an emotional charge that matches the thing in, the, in your mind. But you also have to take action to go and seek out that parking spot. You can't just imagine it's there and then never go park your car there. You have to actually move towards it. So there is this profound and deep connection between what's going on in our minds, the field of charge around us, and the physiological state or action that we are taking. Now, if that was the whole picture, then everybody who watched The Secret would be like millionaires. And everybody that you know followed this specific protocol of hold something in your mind and feel something like this and then do an action would be literally manifesting everything they want all the time. And they'd be stoked. They'd be just like, sweet, done, deal, get it. This is how life works. This is the action. But it's not that simple because there's a piece that's not covered in the secret. And that is the reality that your subconscious is just as powerful as your conscious mind. And your subconscious has desires, you know, sometimes as my, as uh, this wonderful author, Carolyn Elliott puts it in her book, Existential Kink, there's kinky parts of us that actually seek out to experience challenges in order to make us grow. Our subconscious desires for things not to necessarily manifest sometimes instantly because we want the process, because we want, we desire to experience our state changing over time. And unfortunately, when we've gone through intense traumas, we've had uh, very, very harmful life experiences, things that really um, condition part of us to be afraid of getting what we want or that, you know, we'll be controlled or we'll be killed or, you know, we'll be abused. There's all kinds of things that we've created. Well, then sometimes our conscious mind doesn't want to look at that painful place. And that really painful place is relegated into the subconscious field that then is running the show. So those people who are powerful creators and they're like, why does all this bad stuff keep happening to me? Well, the reason is that you are literally emanating those processes and creating those patterns from a subconscious place. And the only way that you can actually heal that and deal with that is by digging into and starting to learn how to see and love and accept the part of you that's creating the challenge, the part of you that's creating the painful experience. That's really step one, because once you can embrace that subconscious place within you, now you're in relationship with it. And now you can actually begin to understand and accept why you've been creating what you're creating. And now that part becomes a little bit more conscious. 
And this isn't, you know, this isn't like a game where you suddenly figure out one way that you're a powerful creator and then all of a sudden you can do everything. Like, for example, in my life, I've had certain things that I'm a specialist at. So one of the things I'm a specialist at is manifesting amazing houses to live in. I am so good at it that it's gotten down to the point where it's it's not even hard. It's not. It's like a science. Like I know exactly what to do. I don't even have to write it down on a vision board. I don't even, I've already done that. I've created my imprints so clearly and I have so much trust in myself that as soon as I know I have to move and I'm gonna need to create a new house, which I just did. I just moved from Colorado over here to Malibu, California. This is my new space and I'm in my new home here. And manifested our new house in six days. We arrived in California, six days, boom. Another week later, lease is signed, deal is done, moving into the house. And the house is the most incredible house I've ever lived in in my life. And the price is so much better than every other place that we came across just kind of scanning around or looking at. It's it's like insane. It doesn't even make sense. It doesn't even seem like it's possible. And in fact, you know, when I was going into that creation process, I had people around me being like, yeah, maybe we, you know, you should just look at like an apart, you know, apartment over here or something, you know, find something easy you can get into. It's not going to be easy to get a big house. It's not going to be easy to get what you want. This market is crazy. One of my friends literally comes and moves to Colorado and he's like, we've been looking for a place for six months and we've been not able to find anything that we want. Took me six days. And so a big piece of this is not just owning and getting in touch with those parts of yourself, but building the trust in the specific muscles. You know, once you learn that you can lift that particular weight, you know, you can go back and do it again. But you're, you know, before you've lifted it for the first time, you're like, oh, I don't know. Is it going to hurt me? Am I going to, can I do that? I don't know if I can do that. And that's true in sort of like every little space in your life. So some people are really good at creating money. It's so easy. They don't even think about it. And likely they had parents that were like, money just comes and money just flows. They treated it like a current. And they're like, you know, so they grew up with money. They knew money was always going to be there. They know money's no problem. And so they've literally ingrained into their subconscious, all of those truths. And then that's what they experience, but they might struggle massively with a relationship. They have no idea how to manifest a person in their life that they can connect with. They're great at money, but the people is the hard part. Oh my God. I, so feel, you like can you're see. I feel like you're reading everything in my field. <laughs> <laughs> what you're talking about. You're totally reading my life. I do okay. that sometimes. Sorry. I know. I was not going to say anything. but pro just... <laughs> Probably all the time. Uh, okay. So, you know, I just want to just reiterate, like I have a friend who inherited millions of dollars you know, and this whole, and, and what she likes to do is watch television, smoke cigarettes and gamble. And when she goes and plays <laughs> the poker machines, she wins. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that right. consciousness yeah. around, like that, just what you're saying around money. But then she's had many other problems in her life. Like, you know, right. like the, the money thing set, she's got more money than you could ever imagine. She can do anything right. she wants, but she's got a whole lot of other things, you know, based on right. this subconscious programming that you were talking about. The I'm not good yeah. enough. I'm not worthy enough. Um, she just got out of an abusive relationship because she felt 
better stay with someone who abuses me, you know, to be alone. Like there's a whole lot of stuff going on there, right? And so when we look at this, a lot of people when they're trying to create abundance, they're looking at the I'm not worthy thing. And yet here's someone who feels so unworthy and she's got more money than God. It's so fascinating all this stuff out of, you know, like. You can be a billionaire and feel totally unworthy. And I know one, I know one who went through that and and who hired me for a Jedi training weekend. And we, we went really deep in that and other areas that, you know, where he was such a powerful creator of business and money struggled with some other aspects of his Mm -hmm. embodiment, being in his body, being in a state of trust and connection um, having spiritual experiences and not just immediately blocking them out and assigning, you know, roles to them. Like this is this, and this is that, and that's, uh, that can't be real. And it must not have really happened. I must've just been hallucinating. You know, like we, we have these mechanisms we've created that essentially are designed to kind of protect whatever insular aspects of reality we've come to really trust and believe are real and true. And this is what's happening with the extraterrestrial phenomena mm-hmm. as well. We we have this, you know, deep desire. People wouldn't be watching Star Trek so much and Star Wars so much and all these things if we didn't have this deep desire to know what's out there and to Absolutely. experience something more. We everybody, you, it doesn't matter who you ask. If you say, "Hey, if the Starship Enterprise came down, like you know, and invited you on, would you get on?" Like, of course they're going to get on. You think they're going to go back to their Walmart job? No, they're going to get on the starship. Um, But in the part of them that is dealing with society and acceptability, there have been so many programs saying, little green men, you're crazy. UFOs, you're crazy. You know, you see something in the sky. It's a plane or a thing or you're crazy. You know, it's a shooting star or you're crazy. Like all of that programming is built in, you know, aliens, aliens, aliens. They're evil. They're bad. They're crazy. So that your consciousness is like, as soon as you even think about that being real, you're scared. You're anxious. You don't know or you don't care and you don't want to know. Because that's alien. And even that word has been created in a very specific way and used in this way to say, ah, alien, that's something different from me, other from me, and I'm not willing to look at it. So whenever people ask me, you know, hey, so I heard you've like had contact with aliens. I'm like, no, I've had contact with star family. I've had contact with star nations. I've contacted ambassadors from other worlds. They're not alien to me. And as long as they're alien to you, you will never understand them. You will never know them. And you will never have an experience with them because it's alien. It's different. You've already put it in that box that you're unwilling to look at it. And language does that. We do that in all kinds of ways with our language. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to get into your experiences with the um, ambassadors from other worlds and what they're Mm -hmm. saying. And I also, I know I'm going all over the shop here because it's just so much. I want to, I want to talk about Core Nexus because I have been checking out that website for ages, and it's, and then yeah. I eventually got it out of my browser because I had it just up in the browser, like what's going on here, and then sure. I like, and then I just came back to it because you're on the show, and things are changing, mm-hmm. like because it, it's just the oh, most yeah. amazing website. 
So we'll get we'll get into what Core Nexus is, but I want to talk about your experiences with the ambassadors from other worlds. How did they contact sure. you? What do they want us to know? How are they interfacing with the rest of humanity? Yeah, I'll do a little skip and dance at high level because um, there's a lot to share there. And um, if you want to know my personal journey and exactly what happened to me and how I made contact for the first time and what occurred, I really appreciate, um, you, you know, for me, I really like giving context and giving a deep, profound story that helps people to actually understand my experience and what I actually went through and why I opened up to this. Um, because I wasn't always open to this, by the way. And I, I was not even always open to past lives at a point. I was not open to energy experiences at a point. I had no idea about any of those things at a certain point in my life. And it's only through direct, profound experiences, confirmations, and so much data that I couldn't ignore anymore that, that I opened up to these things. So if you want to know my whole story, you can go on Gaia TV and look up interviews with Ed uh, ED, which is, stands for extra dimensionals. And my friend Ruben Langdon did an interview, a series of interviews with me, but, um, essentially we cover in two episodes that entire journey for me. And, um, I think it's worth watching because it, it really helps you not only understand me and my work and the physics work and the science work that I've done and, um, the technology aspects of what I've been working on and building, but but how someone with zero experience in extraterrestrial content can have a contact experience and actually come into communion with these beings. And the high level of that journey is that, you know, it was a healing journey for me. It was actually about healing parts of myself in other times, and in particular, wounds that I was still holding from a time that most people call Atlantis, um, which is a period, uh, you know, it's it's essentially a global civilization that existed in a period prior to the end of the last ice age. And now immediately, you know, you have people that would just be like, oh my God, okay, he's talking about Atlantis, this guy's crazy or whatever, right? Notice that because that's the same exact program that's telling you aliens are not things that you ever want to interact with. But if you look at cultures and societies around the world, immediately you'll start to see that every single one of them points to this civilization from whether you're a Christian and you follow the Bible and you're looking at the flood story to whether you're looking at the Celtic origins or you're looking at the Mayas stories of the prior box tune, or you're looking at, you know, doesn't matter, pick, pick anywhere in the world. There's evidence pointing to this more and more. And if you're really interested in understanding that there was an advanced civilization before the end of the last ice age, I highly recommend watching ancient apocalypse by Graham Hancock. It's now on Netflix, I believe. And, um, and he does an amazing job traveling to many, many sites you'll never have heard of. Um, he doesn't even go to the pyramids. <laughs> and the pyramids in Egypt are one of the most obvious evidential points for this. But essentially, by clearing uh, some pain and trauma that I had with my mother and father from that time, 
I was able to clear a wound that then opened up my memory to being on another planet before I came here. And so the big shift in me was the realization that I'm not from here. And once I could accept that I'm not from this planet, that opened up a lot in my consciousness and my subconscious to wondering, well, then where am I from and where did I come from and who's out there and how the heck did I get here and what's going on? And it, it created the opportunity for me to ask the other questions that I needed to ask. And those questions and that process led me to an experience of having a physical being come down, meet with me and show me definitively beyond the shadow of a doubt with absolute proof that I would never be able to deny that this is real and this is true and this is actual. And that's a big leap and not everybody's going to have that level of a leap of experience. But for me, because my mind and my science and my logic is so strong and so specific, I needed it. I really needed that level of proof. And for others, you know, I think there are other ways that you can have that proof and you can have that level of confirmation of experience. I've asked my mob about this. And I think a lot of people have that desire to sort of like, you know, touch an ET or a Star Nation people to have that physical contact. And then the guides say, you have us with you all the time. Why do you need that physical experience? And it's like, I don't know. Yeah. And then they say, like, examine that. Like, really examine why you want that physical experience. Yeah. And uh, and that's a personal growth workshop in itself. It's like to yes. understand that your psychic ability and your psychic connection and your astral projection and, you know, your dreams and tele- telepathy is as real and valid as this physical, fire, you know, 3D experience. And I'm like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Well, and it's also training because for me, I'd already been training for, you know, a decade at that point in telepathy in energetic work. Mm -hmm. And I'd already been developed. I'd already developed those capacities. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't the problem. The problem was I needed the the direct physiological confirmation to be able to move forward into the next level of my work. So that's just where I was. Yeah, yeah. And and for most people, just even having a telepathic experience or an astral experience is beyond them at this stage still. Mm. So you got to do the practice because their entire civilization works with that as a foundation. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So who was this being? What did they call themselves? Where were they from? What is their relationship to you and to the planet? Well, that wasn't information that I needed to cover at that time. And so it wasn't until later that I was able to ascertain that she was part Syrian and part Tierra Danan. Um, and that, you know, I got to know qualities to be able to identify in her as a species better. Um, she never gave me a name and I didn't need a name because it was its own profound depth of connection that was nameless in a way because she also recognized me in a way that was not my name now, but my name that I've been many times. And I recognized her and who she was many times when we've had encounters. And she was, you know, there was a very specific choice to send her because there was a connection between us that was something that would be familiar to me and comfortable to me. And um 
you know, the journey that she and I, uh, our, our encounter was really a test. And it was a test of me accepting humanity where it is and how it is. And being aware that not everybody's ready and not everybody is like online and on the game, but that enough of us are. And if we can trust that and we can trust that all we got to do is just keep taking the next step, then we will continue taking the next step. And so that that brief experience that I had, which I cover in that interview, um, essentially led to a vast array of experiences after that. I have met countless ambassadors from different worlds. I have seen and experienced these worlds in depth. I have had initiations on these worlds. Um, and those initiations and those uh, encounters essentially led me to an understanding of essentially what these worlds are like, how the cultures evolved on them, what the biospheres are like, what the peoples look like, what the peoples are each trying to bring forward as the gifts to other peoples and to life and to earth. Um, and the messages from our galactic family have been very consistent to we are in a transitional phase as a species that our species is not just human, but is literally genetically connected to all of these different races, uh, at least six different ones that I focus on in particular have the most amount of genetic seeding into humanity. And that's part of the reason why humans look so diverse. The reason why you can you know, stand me next to, you know, I use always often use an example of a, a big guy from Nigeria because I've had some great Nigerian friends and literally you look at them and you look at me, we don't look like we're the same species at all. I mean, we, everything from bone structure to skin tone and everything else, we look so vastly different um, and so beautiful in that difference. And they're helping us understand that there is exquisite beauty in our differences and that, in fact, we are star family. That is us. They are our family. They are our ancestors, if we look back. And suddenly, all the teachings of the indigenous elders about star nations being our ancestors suddenly make sense. All the stories that the Maya tell about you know, the four corn people as they say, the red corn people, yellow corn people, white corn people, and black corn people came from the four corners of the river in the sky. And of course, they're talking about the galaxy, the Milky Way, the river in the sky. And, and these things start to really, really make sense, right? So we're not, we're not just from here. We're hybrids of an earth species that's known as human, that we call human, and other human races and human-like races from around the galaxy. And we need to accept that because then we stop putting them on a pedestal. We start treat stop treating them differently. We start recognizing we're in a planetary journey of transition. And the work that I did the, the night that I had contact was a lot about working with the galactic community and the galactic council, which I met 73 different ambassadors from that organization um, which I don't call a federation. They don't refer to it like a federation. Federation is an extremely human governance term. It doesn't match. 
it would be closer if we called it the Galactic Confederation, but even that is not accurate because you're dealing with fully sovereign, independent planets and species that have a spiritual covenant, not a governance covenant. It's a spiritual covenant based on specific principles of what allows life to thrive. And those principles are open source, for example. So any new technology developed on any world within the Galactic Council community essentially is given to every other community immediately. And it's completely open source. And when you come down to resource replication, if a new resource is developed or a new kind of thing is replicated, it's shared in the network to everywhere. Anyone, anywhere can replicate that object, experience that thing, do that thing. There are, of course, protocols too about violence and about you know conflict and, and all of these things. And a lot of that is stuff that I teach in Guardian Alliance. Um, but it comes really down to the recognition of sovereignty and freedom, number one. Every individual is just as sovereign as a, a planet, is just as sovereign as a species. It's macro and micro. Mm-hmm. And relationship, commitment, meaning that one person's sovereignty is only good and valid as long as they're not hurting other people in invalidating the sovereignty of other people, mm-hmm. which means you've got to be able to own and be yourself completely and be in a process of support and communion, supporting and honoring everybody else being okay. the sovereign beings that they are. Okay. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's how we change earth right there. Yeah. All right. I just want to address something that's out there on the internet. Lots of people that claim to have been in the secret space program and in yeah. 20 and backs, and they're always talking about the war. And when you were talking about resources, like when a resource is developed, sure. it's all shared amongst the cause, you know, it's open yeah. source. So they yeah. talk about there's this fight about resources, you know, like control. And it, they talk about it in a very 3D way, which is the way we live yeah. on earth. And it, it's always confused yep. me. What do you say yep. about that stuff? Well, you know, I'll just put it this way. You know, when I met Stephen Greer in 2002, one of the first things that he really laid out for me was that 90% of the information on extraterrestrial stuff is disinformation at that at that time. That was 2002. Um, and the budget and the money and the campaigns to attempt to um disenfranchise contactees create fear within people interested or curious about real information in these areas and you know a vast array of other agenda items um have kept literally billions of dollars driving disinformation for a very very long time now you got to ask yourself a couple questions one is just because someone is a whistleblower how do you know they're blowing a whistle that's true? You don't. All you're doing is you're getting information. And a lot of people that focus a lot on the secret space program stuff, one of the things that I've noticed is that they get almost all their information from whistleblowers, right? Or they're a direct experiencer, right? Like they're someone who came out of the program. Well, I've met a couple of the people that came out of the program. And I can tell you one of those individuals, um, you know, I encountered one evening at a conference, a major conference, and he was blistering drunk 
And he literally almost went into battle with me. He was like going to just punch me for literally no reason. And I basically look at him and I'm just like, I'm, I'm a little confused because I'm approaching him as a friend, like to connect and to meet somebody new, you know, and he's immediately in a state of violence. And I look at him and I say, you know, I'm here to make sure that everyone here has sovereignty and is able to make choices for themselves and essentially to protect this community in coming to the next stage of their journey and their evolution. And I said this to him out loud and he kind of looks at me and he kind of like wobbles a little bit, you know, this like drunken thing. And then he, he stabilizes and he's like, and then he's like, okay. And he like takes a deep breath and then yeah, I won't get into the rest of it, but it was a very fascinating encounter. And he was psychically attacking me and or engaging with me for most of the rest of the night. And I'm very familiar with these things because I've dealt with this for a long time and I've dealt with psychic warfare. I fortunately had an opportunity to meet someone who came out of Black Ops psychic warfare camps a long time ago um, and was a great friend. And I you know, helped him develop branding for his company and was helping with, with this nano ceramic building material. And so I'm very familiar with that kind of thing. And what I saw was a person who was deeply traumatized, so deeply traumatized that, you know, sometimes the first reaction is psychosis, destruction, destroy, kill, maim, do whatever you can do to hurt somebody. And you know, I don't really think that's a really good key to get us where we're going. And one of the things that I've noticed in the secret space program, you know, stuff, and I've watched the films that have come out from some of these groups, and I've I've followed and listened to the talks and explored where they're getting at. And the general reaction that I notice in almost everybody who comes out of these talks and things is fear. They're now afraid because all of a sudden there's this super powerful military that's already traveling other worlds. They're controlling everything. They have all the power. You know, they've made dark agreements and alliances with dark species. They're coming to get you all. They're coming to get your kids. So don't question it, you know, or or what? I mean, or what? Or vote for some person who's supposed to be saving the world and literally is selling all of our wildlands to the oil and gas companies or you know eradicating the rights of an entire wave of people just because they don't claim to be sexually straight or they don't claim to behave the same way that everybody else does i mean these are the seeds of an empire this is how you get a situation like you had in germany with hitler is comprehensive fear-mongering disinformation turning people against each other from different sides of a conscious community and then leveraging all that turning against each other to actually implement fear, control, and lockdown. And guess what? We just went through it, right? Guess what? You know, op Operation Warp Speed, let's lay in COVID, let's get everybody taking this vaccines, which I was like, are you kidding me? We're suddenly going to just trust these pharmaceutical industries, like, are you aware that they have lost billions of dollars in lawsuits already? Like, not, not like, 
questionable. They lost because of actions that were not ethical. And you're going to just take their thing and stick it in you. But the manipulation was so strong. It was so well done. And there was literally hundreds of billions. I, my One of the individuals that I know that's been studying this best says over a trillion dollars was spent on marketing to get people do the injections. So if you did and you're watching this, it is not your fault. Literally, the peer pressure and the marketing and all of that was so strong, there is nothing that you could have done about it except maybe just tell every one of your family members to F off because you're not going to do it, which is what I had to do. I, I literally have an aunt who's a nurse. She convinced everyone in my family to do it. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I am absolutely not going to do that. And guess what? You know, you should know that natural immunity is a thing. And I already experienced having this for a week and I lost a sense of smell. And so, no, I'm not going to take an experimental drug and believe that that's better than my own immune system. I, you'll never convince me that any outside entity, any outside drug is better than me and my own immunity. And that is sovereignty. That is really claiming sovereignty. And right now we're facing the horrible meltdown because now it's exposed. Now all the news and all the things, here it is, you know, here's the person who created the mRNA vaccine saying, yeah, this is genetic modification. Here's this, this, this. I mean, over and over and over again, we're seeing the, the massive onslaught now coming out of recognizing that these things are not tested well. You know, they've literally across Europe now, they're destroying you know, hundreds of millions to billions of dollars worth of the vaccine, and they're throwing it away wow. because it's not safe. And they know it's not safe and it's not been tested properly. So we are in the crux of this war of information and knowledge right now. Yeah. And you have to always ask yourself, are you going to go with the fear? Are you going to go with whatever pressure is being put on you and fear is being put on you to do something? Or are you going to choose to trust inside. Where do you not feel fear? Right. Where do you feel strength? Where do you feel alignment? Where do you feel truth? And and get back to that because yeah. I promise you when the when the campaigns that come out and the information that comes out, if the first thing is to make you scared, it's probably got some other agendas inside of it. You know, this comes back to this education. When I was a young, in my 20s, I studied naturopathy five years full-time, yeah. you know, every day, five yeah. days a week. And although I didn't follow that through, what I felt was, why isn't this information taught? Why, why wasn't I taught this at school? Like an extensive knowledge of how the physical body works and right. diet and all that stuff should be fundamental education. And yes. then when you understand the brilliance of this vehicle called the human body that we're wearing, you yeah. know that pharmaceuticals haven't got a patch on what's happening inside us right now. Like right. the orchestration right. of chemicals and, you know, like even Deepak said years ago that every drug that could ever be produced in a, in a lab is already being produced inside your body. You know, like, so yeah, that fear to not trust your own physical body, that, that, that's what got me. Cause it's amazing. Like just study it and you yeah. understand how amazing it is. Yeah, so it comes down to education, right. really, doesn't it? And, and we already know very well, psychologically, 
that when you're in a fear state, your immune system is weaker. Right. And mm -hmm. if your money and your stockholders and everything else says, make more money now, or you're going to fail as a company, and your job is to sell people drugs, well, what do you want to do? You want to make pe more people take those drugs. Yeah. I mean, it's just an A plus B equals C. It's really quite simple. It is. Um, but you know what, I, Adam, the way I see everything that's happened over the last few years is just a mass wake up call. Like if you were asleep, if you were yeah. asleep to the sovereignty and the brilliance of who you are as a consciousness, as a body, you know, as all of it, a spirit, then this dilemma that we've been through over the last couple of years is like an alarm bell to like yeah. wake up. It's just been a mess. Wake That's up right. call. Yeah, it definitely is. It's a huge wake up call and it's connected to these bigger wake up calls. It's right. connected to these processes and recognizing that a lot of the narratives and a lot of the stories we've been told are just not true. Mm -hmm. And if you were turned against your friends because you believed that the earth was flat, really look at that question that look at how much conflict you might have created because you went along with a story someone told you you know if you believe that QAnon had all the answers and <laughs> and had all of these things that were going to happen well just go back and look and see how many of those things actually happened that way and how many people did you conflict with because of those things uh, we are in a game we are in a time of powerful marketing and disinformation campaigns yeah and and so this is why, and this is the reason why getting back to the core, the reality that I am a person, you are a person, we are in a relationship. We can believe different things. That's okay. But what's most important is that I honor you for who you are and what you believe and all of that, because you're sovereign and I can still be in connection with you. And then the question is, well, what's your intention? Is your intention for the world to be green and beautiful and healthy and kids to grow up healthy and families to be healthy, life to be beautiful and everybody's personal desires and wills and whatever to be manifest what they want and how they want it? Great. Then we're on the same page. But if you tell me that this person is wrong and this person is evil and this person is bad simply because they're different than me or than you then I would say, well, I want you to look at those places in you that are judging those things in them, because that's actually where the problem is. That's where the pain is. The pain is in your own inability to accept another person, to honor another person, you know, and that often comes from shame, from blame, from family yeah. patterns and traumas. Yeah. The shame blame is the biggest game on earth. But so this is where unify is yeah. is like addressing yeah. that unification of like viva la difference, like let's celebrate our differences. And uh, I saw you chatting, and I want to shout out to this guy because it sounds like now where is he? I have to find him on another show called Boundless Authenticity Podcast about what you're up to next, which comes into the question that I had about core nexus. So addressing some yeah, what you've seen as some challenges that we have with sovereignty. And let's talk about Core Nexus. Like what's going on with Core Nexus? Yeah. Well, for a long time, um, I've been in the work of essentially studying how sovereignty has been taken away from people. And so for over 15 years, 15 years ago, I was um I had experiences with 
with MySpace and Tribe, and I watched the mass migration happen into Facebook. And at that time, you know, there was some of us who were watching that happen, looking at Facebook, excited to see this convergence, but also a little concerned because essentially we're talking about the, our entire mass network and communication system now getting centralized into the centralized servers of a company run by, you know, a young guy who's just like, what do I do next? How do I do the next thing? And we watched as Mark Zuckerberg essentially, you know, went down uh, a series of rabbit holes looking at how the heck do I monetize this? How do I create, um, how do I create a opportunity to make money for myself in this big thing? And, you know, he probably had a couple advisors who were like, well, you've got all these people's information. That's valuable. Sell it. So the next thing you know, he starts selling people's data selling your personal story, your personal information to make money from that, right? And that's only grown and grown and grown. And in fact, it got to the point where he has so much information about everybody that all it took was one group known as Cambridge Analytica to pull some of that data using an app. And suddenly they had the power to literally manipulate millions of people through the power of the, the knowledge that they had about the strengths and the weaknesses and the people that they were engaging with, right? So I was, we were tracking that. And then on the other side, what's the other business model? Well, let's see, let's do marketing, right? Marketing is great. Marketing makes money. Oh, except that if you inject marketing as the business model into a social network system that's designed to connect people, then what, what happens now? you're incentivized to stop people from reaching each other because if they can't reach their audience, then guess what? They'll pay you to reach the audience. They'll pay you to get to their network that they already have. Right. And so we went through this with Unify, um, you know, during the birth of Unify in 2012, going into 2013. In 2013, we we got up to a million followers. We were going you know, and growing by tens of thousands of followers a day. And then all of a sudden, overnight, it was like somebody cut the valve. Boom, flatline, zero new followers out of nowhere. I mean, we were literally just like, it was like ramp, right? Zero. It took two weeks for our colleague, uh, Mark Healy, who was on our team at the time and running the social media team to get in touch with somebody at Facebook. He gets on a phone call with them eventually. And the woman says, oh, well, you know, uh, we've just implemented a new business program. And all you have to do is pay us like 50 to $100 a day. And we'll ensure you keep getting the reach that you've had before. Right. That's mafia. Mm -hmm. That's like, and, and, and he's like, you know, and he's British. He's like, are you kidding me? Are you <laughs> effing kidding me? Like this is organic reach. People are sharing our stuff with each other. And you're telling me that you're cutting, you, we have to pay you a hundred dollars a day to reach our own audience. And they're like, sir, you don't understand. It's just a new business program. And we're just going to ensure the success of your business. If you pay us, I mean, it was literally holding our million followers for ransom. Yeah. And we didn't 
for a while. And we, we, we would only try to pay to get through when we're doing campaigns and still only reach fractions of that audience. Yeah. And we realized the only way around it was to build such a powerful alliance with as many other groups and organizations as possible that there was no way it could be throttled because we have this group and 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 this group all doing it at the same time. So we still reach the massive audience that cares, right? So that's that's the landscape of the world that I was growing in as I was building education systems, as I was building trust graph and building all of these different prototypes to figure out how do we create an effective decentralized social learning system that can enable people to have their social network connections, but never be throttled mm -hmm. to be able to sell stuff from their social network without having to direct people to another website and have a mailing list and have a video host and have X, Y, Z. I mean, everybody who's ever done any e-commerce, you know what I'm talking about. You have to have 10 accounts on 10 different systems just to do the thing where you want to sell your course, you know, or your video product or your podcast or whatever it is. So we take all of that and collapse it right down to the social network experience. And we start with level one, which is your decentralized identity. You own and control your identity. Two, you own and control your data. Three, you can take back all your data from the existing social networks and reclaim it back into your own system, right? And then we give you this super amazing Iron Man style futuristic interface that's literally like a Starship dashboard where you can communicate with your networks. You can search using smart search to find things through your trust networks, you know, and through people that you trust and how you trust them. You can collect anything you want from uh, essentially objects or data files or people or entire streams. So I could have one collection that's someone's Facebook stream and someone else's Twitter stream and someone else's Pinterest stream and someone else's Instagram stream in one place. Boom. And I can also create content and I have AI collaboration so I can create any content I want. I can also turn on the AI collab and it'll generate extra images for me or extra text <clears> for <throat> me if I want. And I can package that, sell it, turn it into NFTs, images, turn it into videos, turn it into courses, turn it into whatever. And so we're literally liberating the social operating system of the planet and giving people the power to take back their networks. But that's actually just the beginning because the whole thing is designed to gamify regenerative impact. So that's the secret that's behind the scenes is that you're not just selling stuff. Every time something is sold, 1% minimum up to 100% goes into whatever area of the planet that you care about, whether that's planting trees, cleaning up rivers, doing art projects, supporting gender studies and sexuality studies, governance, infrastructure, doesn't matter. We flow that money into all of these different impact wallets. Mm -hmm. And just like you can create a course or create a product, you can also create a mission. And a mission is basically like, you know, the kid in high school who's like, 
man, you know, I love hanging out by the river, bro. But like, I've been down by the river lately and it's just so dirty, bro. Like, <laughs> bro, there's like all this trash everywhere, man. It's like really not cool, man. But I can't get my friends to come clean it with me because it's like too much work. We'd rather just chill out. You know what I'm saying? Take a tube, you know, like, you know, just hang out. And so we say, all right, create the mission and say, you can literally pick a template like river cleanup, boom, mission created. This is what you need to do. This is how you do it. Schedule the date. And then what we do is attach bounties to those missions. So now instead of your bunch of broke college friends having to somehow find some time to go clean up the river, they're all going to get paid a hundred bucks for the day to go hang out at the river and clean it up. And all they got to do is take pictures as they go. Who's paying? And suddenly, boom, the impact funds. So all of the donations that go into impact funds from all the sales of all the products get attached right back to missions and impact projects. And suddenly we gamify the largest force ever seen on the planet making positive change. And they're getting paid for it. Whoa. So this has not launched yet, though, has it? No, we're in the build. So you, this is, you've been this building is the it for a while. The build because mm-hmm. I've been watching it. Like, yeah, I don't know where I found it, but I found it like a year or two ago. Like the website was up, and it just, I just like the design of the website. I'm like, whoa, this is cool. But Thank um, you. I, okay, you. so I, it sounds. I'm trying to wrap my head around everything that is going on with it, but. There's a few people that have started because I got the download about something like this oh, a year, a couple of years ago. Mm. And um, I said, they they started giving me like, st- I said, stop, stop, stop. No, I, I can't cope with this information because I feel like every time I get a download that I have to implement it and it just overwhelms me. And then I said, right. okay, I'm going to engage you for a day and then I'm going to ask you to stop. So they gave me the download and I'm like, I don't have any skills to make this happen. <laughs> So right. I feel like I just got a preview. Like I did I have to do mm. it? No. But I've no. got I'm sort of holding the energy of it maybe and maybe lots of people on the planet are doing the same. Maybe, I don't know. Thank you. But there's Thank a few you. people out there that have started similar things. You know, have you heard of Jason Shirker and he's got the mm. unified you know social media system. And I yeah, thought Yeah, which he he basically just jumped on the unify brand that we'd already created and tried right. to get people believing it was us, but it wasn't. So um, yeah, there's, I there's joined a, it. I joined it. Cause I thought would, yeah. cause you know, the whole Facebook thing, you know, I get it. And sure. um, like, I want to get off Facebook and, and have like a conscious community, like people that are actually interested in, but a whole platform, like not just, you know, like with, with courses and videos and podcasts and the yeah. whole gamut, you know, on one platform. Yeah. And it has to be free, but then there is a, you know, there's a way to make money. And anyway, this was part of the download. So I joined it. And then I've got like, when I go on there, I've got probably a hundred spam people, like a hundred fake accounts wanting to friend me. So it's just like unbelievable. And no one's using the platform. It's just not working at the moment. It started off. That's true for almost every alternative social network. Right. Everybody who's trying to do an alternative social network is missing several critical things right one is that why are you going to go to a new space that has less features right that doesn't actually have all your friends and your family right. and doesn't have anything you've already created exactly you're not yeah you you need to be able to get what you created back you mm-hmm. need to be able to get your network back mm-hmm. and 
it has to be fluid because you're not going to, people are not just going to leave Facebook or Instagram. I mean, that's, you know, that right now over a latest poll says that 47% of people on Facebook wish they could leave and they want another platform. Yeah. So that's, that's how all these little social network projects are going for it. They're like, they want our platform. Yeah. yeah. But that's the thing is that's not going to work that way. And this is part of why this has taken me you know, 15 years to come mm-hmm. up with all the solutions for how to actually do this right. Because it's not as simple as like, yeah, build a social network and everybody will just come. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't work that way. Exactly. It's actually about how can we bridge to something different and something new and stay connected, keep a foot in both worlds as the transition happens. And that's where, you know, social data importing comes in. That's where being able to share across your existing networks, share, and then you're not using Core Nexus as a new social thing yet. You're using it as a dashboard where you can access all your existing networks and propagate to them, and you can use it to make money. So you can start bringing people there and driving, you know, income. And then the next thing you know, you're getting connected in impact missions and you're Mm -hmm. earning points because you're seeing rivers getting cleaned up and trees getting planted and arts projects happening. And so we've been very carefully structuring this whole thing so that when it's time, it's time and people have a place to actually land and actually shift out of these big centralized systems in a way that actually works for them. That's better than what they're experiencing because every experience in a social network that I've had trying other than Facebook, you know, or whatever, it's always a worse experience. Right. And that's just not going to work. Right. Yeah. I mean, there are some platforms that are working for people, some different sort of streaming platforms. There's a few things. But, you know, I was at an Ocean Lovers Festival over the weekend and there was a big campaign for We Are Eight, which is an Australian thing, which is similar. You should Mm. check it out. I don't Mm. really understand it, but um, it's a social network that impacts, you know, like we're, turn your turn your scrolling into money and save the world and save the environment and they're in cahoots with I don't know the global goals and the UN and all that sort of thing it's it's interesting I've sort of cool. looked at it but uh, anyway yeah. but yeah there are people out there with the similar ideas but I think you've thought long and hard about this and you've been involved in these communities I think I think you've got the answer yeah. seriously I think Thanks. I think you've got the answer Adam so well when it's part of it, why I'm here so when does it launch me. like I'm so excited because I've had this download and I've been looking for it to be manifest like I can't do it because yeah. I don't have that sort of head you know to do all that sort of stuff but I've been looking sure. for it I think I just yeah. found it so I've been staring yeah. at your website for a while going what is this I like the look of it not knowing that what exactly what it was yeah yeah. Well, we're running ninja mode still. So, you know, I'm open to sharing, you know, I share aspects of what we're actually doing and little audiences like this so that your, your audience can hear and know what's coming and what's building. Uh, but we've been very carefully not out in the press. We're not drawing attention to ourselves yet. Uh, we've been quietly building the alliance behind the scenes. So now we have not only unified, but, you know, another 30 odd organizations that have all signed LOIs that are bringing their massive multi-million networks in um, at the right time. And, you know, we're getting all the fleet aligned to move at the same time. And this year we'll probably do a little private alpha release, just bringing in more of the organizations, getting everybody dialed in. And right now the timeline is looking like March of next year. So about a year from now, 
for World Water Day, which will happen right around March 21st, almost exactly a year from now. Um, and we'll be doing a massive global campaign to help the waters around oh the world God. and doing that with a new platform behind it. Because I was just talking to a friend who puts on love fests here in Australia. I'm very involved in the festival mm. scene here. And, yeah. and uh, I put on a big Peace Day festival and it'll be 10 years since that and five years since we started Love Fest and Unity. And in March next year, we're going to do a big festival. Maybe we could, it's a, a physical festival, but maybe we could, mm. I don't know, dovetail somehow with you guys. Sure. Because, you know, yeah. this is what the mob, galactic mob told me as I was driving on the long straight roads of Australia when you're out in the desert there are just these roads that yeah. just go for it because Australia's just so much land it's amazing it's amazing but yeah, yeah. and I'm saying why am I in a petrol vehicle and and what's happening with free energy I'm asking them and how do we get free energy into the world so that it actually works and their advice was that you know scientists can build it but if, if they're alone scientists they can be wiped out or killed yeah. or bought but if you yeah. come together, like you've just talked about, like, and everyone yeah. comes together and you release this technology simultaneously across the world, it's like you can, you can, you know, wipe out a couple of scientists, but you can't kill everybody. You know what I mean? Like, That's right. and That's right. uh, so, yeah, so you're creating the platform to be able to release these technologies globally so that it all happens and you just can't stop it. The momentum builds can't and you it. can't stop it. Yeah. You got it. Yeah, so now you're seeing it. Exciting. I mean, that's that's where I started was those ideas like how do we get new energy systems out there? How do we right. how do we crack these puzzles? And that was a lot of the big sovereignty question is like how can we enable and maintain sovereignty around these works? And the strategy that I had originally with, you know, energy systems was like, well, if it got in the hands of a professor at the head of a engineering department in literally every major university, then at least they're all holding the keys for how it's done. But what does that require? It requires open source at a massive scale. Right. And unfortunately, even some of my closest colleagues who are working on energy systems, they want so bad to be the person who saves the world with it. Like they want it so bad that like, that they're not willing to open it up. They want to, yeah. they're still like, it's my thing and I've got to do it right. And yeah. I mean, I know some that are even compartmentalizing their own team because yeah. they don't want somebody else on the team to have the breakthrough. Yeah. That's and I'm what like, look, Foster oh said as God. well like, about, yeah, I know. Yeah. It's, it's like even inside your own team, you can't right. be open. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be the one who brings this to the world. I'm sorry. It ain't going to happen. Yeah. You need to do the spiritual work and yeah. learn how to share this, learn how to be open about it. And then maybe, you know, it's so the story of me, going. you know, what's in it for me, my name, my invention, me, me, me. It's that me story instead of yeah. we, it's like, I'm part of this yeah. human family, this cosmic family. And it's not about me. It's about, it's about us. Yeah. It's, it's that's us. just the consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, this made yeah. me cry. But oh, it's so exciting. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Yeah. It's like happening because I've been sort of like, when is this going to happen? <laughs> as I said, well, as a coming. kid, I, I, I thought I would be in flying cars and here I we know. are. And yeah, but wow, this is I very know. exciting, Adam. Very exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it Thank is you. this, but it is the consciousness because. There is great inventions and great technology out there, but the, as you say, if the consciousness doesn't align, 
then the right. then the technology is going nowhere you know because yeah. it's like it's got to be my patent my you know please celebrate me give me the award it's like put my name on it who yeah. cares and that's, that's name on it? especially with these you know that i talk about the three technologies that can literally change the world overnight and that's that's zero point energy, basically right. understanding localized quantum plenum based energy systems um, Two, replication, the ability to replicate objects and materials. I mean, we're literally building gems one molecule at a time. So we're mm-hmm. on our way and we've, mm-hmm. we're 3D printing, not just 3D objects, printing. but food and all kinds of things. Now yeah. it's Organs. getting better and better and better, smaller yeah. and smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third piece of technology is gravitational drives, the ability right. to control gravity. And any one of those three, all three of them change the entire world Absolutely. overnight. And, and so those are really, really critical technologies to be in this space of open source because the impact is so massive. Mm -hmm. And so the, the level of sharing, the level of openness to the masses co-creating together is absolutely critical and important. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, very controlling structures like military industrial complexes, they don't want that. They're scared to death of that mm-hmm. because that means they may not be in control anymore. Right, right, and that's right. all it is. It's right. just like the the potential loss of control is so scary that there's a lot of resistance and restriction yeah. to these yeah. kinds of things. But it's where we've got to go as a mm-hmm. species. And mm-hmm. it's it's a you know, it'll it's the bumpy road going through a planetary awakening, but we're gonna do it. We're gonna stick with it, we're gonna make it through. And this is what our star family sees. And that's what they're encouraging us through. And they would have come down and landed a long time ago, but the White House lawn is not a place to do it. And they do land and they do come down, but for private people and individuals and groups that are ready. And, you know, they are just guiding and assisting us in this process of this transition. They're holding space for us. You're talking to Foster Gamble about this stuff as well? Yeah, Foster's a good friend. Um, we've known each other for a long time. And and what do you think of Dr. Keshe's work, the Keshe Foundation, Keshe Foundation? Yeah, Keshe is, uh, is a fascinating one. Um, I would highly, highly encourage caution and risk, like highly encourage caution for anybody who thinks that giving Keshe Foundation money is going to do any good at all. Um, I have on pretty good authority from several other individuals who have gone pretty deeply into that space, explored collaborations, explored working with there that, you know, um, let's just put it this way. The age of Pisces is over guys. Sorry. Like you're not the guru, you're not the savior and you're not the one, you know, and it's not all going to come down to your way is the way and every other way is not the way. Um, and that's a, that's a dangerous edge. There are many ways, there are many ways, and there are many people behind this together and we got to do it together. We got to collaborate together. I don't have personal experience with Keshe, so I can't say um, definitively, but I, I have friends that have, uh, let's just say, given me some information that was very concerning to me. So Mm. I would just encourage caution. Yeah. Well, I think like any company, there's good things happening and there's bad things happening. Uh, because yeah. of the consciousness that we live in, because of the consciousness yeah. that we live in, yeah. And um, not to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but yeah, it's all about no. unify. It's the unification of, it's it's not about this company, this label, this stamp, this logo. 
it's yeah. about yeah together. yeah we're yeah togetherness yeah it's oh about making a nexus and it's coming about... together in the core or nexus and co-creating a new world together yeah yeah oh wow well this was exciting i loved it thank this you. is very exciting thank you because I've been thinking about this stuff for a long time and like saying, where is it happening? Where is it happening? And listening to, you know, because having a podcast show, I've been doing this for 13 years on, mm. as I said, mm. showcasing new old teachers for about 25 years and teaching myself and mm. and listening to people and because I'm getting the information from then and then I'm looking for it out there. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I think I'm finding it with you. <laughs> so exciting. So exciting. Thank you. Adam Apollo. Thank you so much. I'm just thinking about your name. My daughter Thanks, asked me, Karen. is this your real name, Adam Apollo? Did you change your name? Yeah, yeah. Apollo is my middle name by birth. So it's Adam Apollo. And it's so, yeah. it's so interesting. As you were talking a while back, um, I was thinking Adam is the name of the first, supposedly the first human, the first man. And Apollo is like that space. And so it's like first man and space. It's just brilliant. First rocket. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. It's, it's good. I mean, uh, people often on my YouTube channel will be just like, oh, this guy's ego must be so big calling himself Adam Apollo, my God. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, well, uh, yeah, guys, that's on my birth certificate. So, you know, yeah, it's yeah. not like I really did it. But at the same time, you know, my parents both woke up one night and they were like, ah, oh, if he's a girl or if she's a girl, his name, her name will be Kailea. And if it's a boy, his name will be Adam Apollo. And they just knew. And so yeah, they got the download. Know, I have to also just accept that on a soul level, I communicated that to them. Exactly. So I guess my soul ego can still get nailed to the wall. Go ahead. You know, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but that's that's ultimately the great dance, isn't it? Like, yeah, we're we're all just trying to be ourselves and to have that be okay. And, you know, I think a lot of people go through a lot of pain in dealing with the reality of what it looks like to actually love yourself. And mm -hmm. I think that it's really important that we love ourselves in this time and we accept ourselves for who we are. It's absolutely critical because if we're not doing the work to love ourselves and to accept what we've been through and accept our families and accept our journey, then we're not going to be able to love and accept other people very well. So I'll leave absolutely. your audience with that one. And accept the diversity of the cosmos too. You know, it's like we can't, accept the change you know the differences different way we look and different way we think then how are we going to accept the enormous diversity of the cosmos that's just like whoa that's adam thank you so much for coming on the show right, it's Karen. Been just such thank a you. blessing it's a pleasure and honor thanks for having me whoa that was fantastic <laughs> i'm so excited about this platform okay so uh if you want to check it out it is cornexus.is. I'll have the link underneath. This is exciting. Yeah, he's actually doing what the guides have been telling me to get done. And I feel like, you know, as one little person, I can't do it, but there are other people out there doing it so I can be a part of their journey. Like I don't have to create it. What he's talking about with these platforms and selling all this technology, I've got friends who have tried to create internet platforms to sell you know, technology and they just haven't got it happening. It's like we feel like we have to do everything ourselves when we can join a team and be part of a community. That's that's the way to go and get that support, get that support. Yeah, this is exciting, very exciting. 
Ah, anyway, and if you want to meet Adam, he said he was traveling this weekend, but he's going to be at the April conference, as you know, Portal to Ascension conference. Go to conference, uh, ascensionconference.com. You'll see the information there. He's got many websites. Guardian.is is another website, the Guardian Alliance. Join us, testimonials, explore. He's just got a fingers in a million pies. Yeah, he's doing a lot of things. Our Adam, where's the Ascension Conference? Where are we? The 21st to the 23rd of April in San Diego, California, Portal to Ascension Conference, and the website is ascensionconference.com. If you want to get a ticket, and I'm not getting any kickback on the tickets, I'm just supporting the team, really. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm not somebody who's into competition in any way. I, you know, support other people's podcast shows, other people's conferences, Pay me, don't pay me, I don't care. This whole competition thing is just so 3D. Like we just got to support each other. It's not, it's not just about me and my work and what I do and who I am. This is why I, as a teacher I do the shows, which over the years in this 3D consciousness that we have, people see me as the podcast host and not the teacher. So as a podcast host, I don't get paid, but as a teacher I do. But it's interesting. I had a client the other day, I think I was saying on a show or in the group or the last session I did, that he said to me, I've been watching you for seven years. <laughs> and then he took seven years to reach out for a session. Eventually people will reach out if they want to have a chat with me about consciousness and deliberate creation and who they are, you know, getting their music out of them, the shift. Yeah, there is at some point in your life where the 3D world just doesn't work for you anymore and everything goes wrong and then you scratch your head and you think, maybe I'm not supposed to be, you know, striving for success or trying to be a, a rock star or something, maybe there's something else I'm here to do. Uh, this is when people reach out to me when they're in this transition phase going from who they think they are as the as the person sort of driven to make the success in the career and then realising that they're actually here to expand consciousness and what is your part in this? What is your part in the expansion of consciousness? Who are you? And for many, you know, we've talked about the three waves of volunteers that actually Susie Hansen brought through from her galactic guides and Dolores Cannon made more famous because Dolores has, has had, has, you know, she says she's still around even though she's not in a body. Um, you know, she had a lot of uh, eyes and uh, listeners on her work and people reading her books, the three waves of volunteers. So even if it's just you sharing your stories of your awakening process or your dreams or your experiences or your you know near-death experiences or your galactic contact telepathic contact your psychic abilities your dreams about your dead loved ones just talking about it is doing the work and expanding consciousness because as adam was saying you know we've got these collective programmings that tell us that we're crazy or woo woo and we have to break through that we have to transform transform the limiting ideas of who we think we are and expand the infinite creative potential of who we really are. So talking about what you know with your friends and family, even when they're going to say, you're crazy, I don't believe in it, you're woo-woo, even if you're coming up against ridicule, let them criticize you and judge you. That's that's their judgment on themselves. All judgment is self-judgment. All criticism is self-criticism. All appreciation is self-appreciation. All gratitude is self-gratitude. So what energy are you going to? You can be grateful for those who criticize you. 
you can be grateful for all of it. You can appreciate the diversity of life and the diversity of who we are and how we think in this world. You can tune into the energy of appreciation for all of it. For all of it, for all of it. So don't be scared. There's nothing to be scared of, as I said in the last chat I did online. Speak your truth. And that is you being a part of the shift and raising consciousness in this world. It's just you speaking about what you're interested in uh, with your friends and family. And you'd be amazed at how many people are in the closet with this stuff. Just like Adam said, you know, they're obsessed with, like my brothers are obsessed with all the sci-fi. They love sci-fi. But when, when it comes to the reality of extraterrestrials, you know, on Earth or the reality of extraterrestrials or what we call aliens, they're like, nah, that's not possible, even though they love the sci-fi stuff. But when you talk to them in a scientific way, how it is possible, the unified field, all this sort of stuff, they start to like, you know, those dreams because we dream of being reconnected with our cosmic family. I know they do, even though they're very skeptical. Yeah. So just speaking your truth, speaking what you know is your is doing your work in the world. All right. Who's coming up in the oh Francis is coming up. Francis Key is has written a new book. It's actually a book called Oh, I've gone blank on it. I have to look on the website. But it's actually a compilation of stories from her family and friends on these, exactly what I'm talking about, on spiritual things that have happened. So she's gathered these stories and put them in a book. And uh, she's she's just releasing the book now. I don't know if it'll be out by the time she comes in. She's our April guest speaker in the Inner Sanctum. And it is called ah, In the Company of Souls. That's what the book's called. Yeah, so we're going to have her back. She's the scribe for the team books. Just love those books. Mandatory reading for anyone on a spiritual path. As a, as um, many books, Conversation with God books, uh, Paul Selleck's channel books, many books of mandatory reading. And uh, yes, and I'm, I'm going to be online on the 1st and the 2nd, Sunday the 2nd here in Australia. First in the Inner Sanctum for a family reunion, as Sheila Seppi calls it, her group when we have you know, people just coming together and sharing their stories. So if you want to join, it's completely free. I do ask for donations, not mandatory, but it, I do appreciate any donations that you want to give me to support the shows. As I said, I've been doing it now for 13 years and not asking for money for the shows or even putting ads on the shows. Sometimes ads come on the shows because of copyright. Because if I put a song on and YouTube automatically puts ads on and then gives the royalties or the money from the ads to the people that produce the song i'm happy with that but yeah donations are appreciated so come and join the inner sanctum just go to karenswain.com slash inner dash sanctum and put your email in there and i'll send you the zoom link for the uh next group online group sessions in the inner sanctum and thanks again for listening and watching and sharing the shows leaving a comment and all that stuff but i really do appreciate you and uh, check out the book Awakened by Death if you haven't already, another way that you can support the shows. And I'll catch you again next time. Big love. Bye for now.